Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Today, we are just going to be shooting the, the conversation. Yeah, shooting the breeze here on Locked on Flames. Nick and I just want to have a nice, relaxing Friday episode where it's just gossip hour. And the NHL <laughs> has fed us plenty of content here for you on Locked on Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. My name's Jess Belmosto, and today I am joined by Nick Zararis and our almost end of the year end of the year episode where we can just dunk on the NHL for doing NHL things and uh, if you like that stick around subscribe leave a comment it's my birthday all I want is for you to leave a nice review that's it take 30 seconds not even and and I will appreciate that but Nick happy December 30th End of the year. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited to uh, start doing things again. It, this week between Christmas and New Year's is very weird. We're like, you're doing things, but you don't feel particularly productive. Everybody yeah. I know seems to have a cold, the flu, or COVID, so nobody can really get together or do anything. So, like, it's been a very weird week. I, I mean, I went to a bowl game in a baseball stadium yesterday it's been a very weird couple days for for most people uh i'm very excited i you suggested this as an idea and uh, the way i wanted to start this conversation is very simple i assume you are familiar with the nhl's marketing campaign from last year of no soap operas just hockey correct yes Yes, Some group of marketing people sat down in a room and came up with that idea and said they're gonna the NHL is gonna love this. We think oh, yeah. this campaign is gonna go really well. We want people to be invested in hockey. This is the messiest sport there is. I, I hate to be that I hate to be that guy and say they missed the boat entirely. Like this is exactly how you market a sport to new people is it's messy and dramatic. This is how you get people who aren't sports fans invested in your sport, is treating it like a reality show, treating it like a boy band. That is how you get people invested in this that wouldn't typically invest it in hockey. So yes, there is nothing but soap operas in the NHL. Yeah, you know, I feel like it was immediately after that campaign, something with like Austin Matthews happened. And everyone was like, no soap operas, baby, just hockey. And I, I love messy situations. I love just like, like growing up, we're told like gossiping's bad. Like, you know, good people don't gossip. No, everyone gossips. But the NHL gossip, I think, is like some of my favorite because it's so unhinged. Yes. And it just it feels like like obviously like the minuscule stuff that stuff that doesn't like truly impact other people's lives. Um, like the hockey Canada stuff, like that's not gossip. That is yes. legit. That's news. That's, that's news. news. But like Connor McDavid being, you know, filmed supposedly with this other girl that's not his long-term girlfriend. To me, that's gossip and that is hysterical and like, I just love it. I love the discourse surrounding it. 
mess is very fun. This is something that Formula One leaned into. They told Netflix, make us popular in the United States. And Netflix has edited together a show that makes it seem like people who are teammates despise each other. And that they, the Drive to Survive is ridiculous because it's out of order. Like they will just cut back and forth between things that happen like five months apart to try and (laughs) weave together a narrative that didn't really happen. But they need to have these plot lines for people to cling on through to follow through throughout the show that's what we're kind of doing with the nhl the nhl uh, the fans do a better job of that than the league itself i would say the fans themselves are the ones who kind of foster along certain narratives and push certain agendas because hockey media is very consolidated it's a very um tight-knit group of similar perspectives on things so it's up to the fans to kind of fill in the where there's media is just bigger like other sports have more people covering them. it's kind of a small network of journalists covering the sport yeah. and then the fans are left to their own devices to kind of color in and give it some color to spice it up to make it engaging oh yeah and like i just i think that's what i really like about the hockey community is how just again unhinged we are and how we just lean into the drama and we lean into certain narratives or we just tear it all apart and tear it down. Um, I, I really appreciate the people out there that make it work. They just, they do their thing and they make it work. Oh, the, the fun part of the the people who think of way outside the box and they draw lines and parallels between things that like a normal person wouldn't think to compare or to draw a comparison to like the people who treat hockey players, like people in a boy band where they're like making fan cams and stuff like that. Like that's a layer of engagement that that is a layer of engagement that the NHL isn't tapped into. The NHL doesn't think of young people, especially young women, as their target audience and doesn't mo- capitalize on an opportunity there. You can get people invested in anything if you appeal to them. And the NHL is very stubborn in who it chooses to market events to and who it chooses to platform and feature. I mean, okay. there's a reason it's frustrating when you consistently have really bad teams on national television, like the Blackhawks being on national television 12 times because they're an original six team. I understand the appeal of the original six marketing. Mm-hmm. It's for the boomers. It's for the people who were still alive when there were only six teams in the NHL. <laughs> young people don't know. And young people don't particularly care about hockey that happened when there were only six teams in the league. That's right. one of the problems the NHL really has to find a way here is instead of like the token gestures towards young people, like they hired that one influencer to make TikToks. Like as opposed to doing that, you got to find ways to make hockey more accessible you need to make it cheaper you need to find a way to get it in more places Mm because it doesn't just have to be ice hockey you can do roller hockey you can do street hockey there are so many other ways for hockey to just be more present in people's lives i mean hockey has lost ground in the last 10 years to soccer which you know not not even like mls soccer like british premier league and champions league soccer does better typically than the nhl does on american television Mm -hmm. and maybe hockey only is just a niche sport because it's so heavily based in canada and because the types of because you can only play it in certain climates it's very expensive not every high school is going to be able to offer it which is another part of it which makes the pipeline very difficult to get into there there are so many little things that contribute into the system of why hockey is the way it is now and it really does leave a lot of it on the fans to kind of make their own enjoyment out of it 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you talk about the accessibility, especially for tickets. Like, I I was looking at tickets for uh, Bruins Leafs, like, Tuesday or Thursday night game. $200 for the last row in the building. I didn't pay that much to sit in the last row of the building for playoff tickets. And four years ago now almost back in 2019 but like it just it feels out of reach I think for so many people and they have Trevor Zegris right who really likes that spotlight and that attention Jack Hughes not so much I would say I think that he's more not that there's anything wrong with being camera shy like I get it like whatever but The two of them together at the All-Star game, that was so fun. Yeah. Do more of that. And I know that there are people out there in the NHL that would absolutely participate in things like that. So do it. It's very hard. I mean, this is one of the reasons it's hard to market this game is that there's not a lot of guys in the NHL who just like attention, to be honest with you. The culture of hockey is you're one guy on the team. No one's bigger than the team. Don't bring any extra attention on yourself than anyone else. And then you've got this younger wave of guys who are like, you know, they've grown up on the Internet where they they see things and they're like, I want to try that. They see cool things and they say, I'm going to try and do that in a game. And now you have... You have blowback to the blowback of what actually happened, where you have right. people complaining about the people complaining about the reaction to an event that happened, which what? just it speaks to the craziness of how the Internet works now, where if you don't have a take on every single thing that happens, you get lost in the shuffle of events and you're losing your voice because to have a voice in today's day and age, you need to be giving a take about every single thing that happens. Right. And that's a lot. It is. It's very hard to be up to date on every single thing that goes on. I try very valiantly. I have a three screen setup in my room. I have an iPad I break out things on if I need to go to four screens. So yeah, there's a lot to try and keep up on. And yeah. even even me who's doing, you know, three different podcasts, writing, all this stuff, even I can't be up on everything. So I don't right. even know what people expect from the average fan who only watches their favorite team. Well, right. Like I think a lot of people like don't it's not that they don't care but where are they they're not terminally online like us where where are they supposed to get the time and the energy to focus on this if they're just throwing on hockey like i remember growing up and you know it would be okay 705 it's time for you know put on nessa in time to watch the bruins The other thing with the NHL I think that needs to happen is just getting new blood into the league. And I think we're going to see that with more, I mean, like older people retiring and leaving like their front office positions or like those marketing positions that think that uh, soap operas are a great comparison to hockey even though there's quite literally something every single day in the NHL. So I think that, you know, hopefully over the next few years, we do see an increase in popularity. It it will never, ever be like basketball or the NFL. But for me, I just, again, we were talking about how like every player is just like one guy. I was talking about this um, the other day. 
we were comparing Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is like one of those guys that just like nose to the grind, doesn't say anything, will not like speak up, speak out, do any of that. He lies about having the mumps for God's sakes, okay? Like he's just there. And I think for like Patrice Bergeron, like, yeah, he does do captain things like donate money. But I don't know. Maybe we just, I'm not saying go out there and be an activist, but like speak when, you know, it, it's good. It's good to use your it's words. Complicated. It's one of those things. It's very complicated for some of these guys because they've never been empowered to speak up before because they've always just been one guy on a team. Like, even when you're promoting captain, you don't want to be, you want to keep your thoughts in the room. When you're the captain, it's about managing everybody that's in that locker room mm -hmm. and trying to make what's going on around the team not really an issue. It's one of those things that as we get a more, I don't know what the word you want to use for it, conscientious, aware, younger people, because typically speaking, younger people are going <laughs> to be the most passionate and fiery about their beliefs. So if you get those people involved, then you could talk about it in that context of younger people being more engaged. And to your point about just younger, getting younger in the game, that's something we saw really happen in the last couple of years in baseball, where teams just, once you turn 30, they kind of treat you radioactive, where you can get a one or two year deal to to get back on the team but you're not really going to get long-term deals it's always going to be better to have the cheap young guy as opposed to the moderately expensive older guy that's something that hasn't totally caught on yet in the nhl there are still quite a few teams who are very happy to play guys who are older who have experience who are a little bit more expensive because hockey and the, the hockey brain trust values experience so much at the same time I think as we get a younger game, I think that has the opportunity to help. But again, it's a matter of the people in charge, the stakeholders wanting to change things. I mean, that's the biggest reason hockey is where it is right now is that it's the stakeholders don't want to change anything. They like the way things are right now. The 32 owners are very content with split, splitting the pie and trying to get a slightly bigger piece of that pie out of 32 as opposed to making the pie overall bigger, which is why you have silly things like the owners and players arguing over escrow, why mm -hmm. you have a hard salary cap, why you don't have certain that why you have um restricted free agency why you have all of these cost control measures it's all for the smaller teams to not have to spend as much money to keep good players that's all it is yeah and you know you hit the nail on the head there and coming up next we are absolutely just going to keep going because we could do like a three-part episode of all of the nonsense that has just trickled down to us talking heads this uh this 12 month wonderful time soap opera soap, opera soap opera it's just a never-ending season like it's just gonna live on like general hospital <laughs> but first i do want to take a moment to uh talk about the national highway and traffic safety association you're hanging with some friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you'll be fine. You live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's not a big deal. And what are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, or you kill someone. 
Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are real, tragic, and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why the police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And thank you everyone for tuning in to Locked on Flames. Whether this is your first episode or your 476th, I think we're on. Um, Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. I know Nick appreciates it. And Nick, thank you for joining me this year. This has been one heck of a year for the Flames in this podcast. So I appreciate uh, being able to bounce ideas off of other people and not just myself. Oh, it definitely helps as a creator to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. Because sometimes you're working on a theory and you're like, does this sound totally insane? And you have no one else to bounce it off of. So you just kind of have to workshop it on your own. And then you float it out there. And you're not sure how actually grounded in reality that take is. It's one of the very difficult things about doing something by yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite things is just to like scour Reddit and find other fans who are like just i don't want to say deranged but like out there engaged they're engaged engaged. there we go because you got to remember i i forget what like the breakdown of it was but like 90 plus percent of the people who use twitter only read things they don't like things they don't retweet things they don't post themselves people on reddit there's even more lurkers on Reddit than there are on oh, Twitter. Yeah. So the people who are taking the time out of their day to post, to be active in online communities, those are the most passionate and most engaged of any type of any anyone on the internet. The people who are taking time out of their day to be invested in online communities, those are the people who are going to be the most passionate, most engaged. And, and deranged is a bit strong of a word to use, but that type of fan where they're going to be working on theories that are a little bit more out there that are going to spend the time for no reason other than trying to be right on the internet doing hours of research just to post something on reddit for a couple of upvotes that's really what it comes down to yeah and like i think back to like the vma night the night of the vmas and i was like nick there's no reason taylor would be there unless she was announcing something and what happened like you just start connecting the dots and patterns you know things like that and hockey people love their routines they do any (laughs) if there's somewhere to look for patterns it is absolutely hockey and i think back to the flames um not so much this year but in prior seasons just dump and chase there was no strategy to their game it was truly just the predictability of dump and chase It was simple and it worked. That's the biggest Mm -hmm. thing for any philosophy, any strategy, any kind of tactics you want to implement. If you can repeat it over and over again and with low risk where all you got to do is get the puck in and go get it and you can start your cycle, it's very easy to repeat that over and over and over again and you wear a team out, especially in a playoff series. That style is particularly effective where you're going to be able to wear out the other team's defense from all those retrievals, them constantly having to go backwards, them constantly going to have go back take a hit just to play the puck over time that wears away on players it's really really 
it's an effective way to play, but the Flames have kind of gotten away from that now. They have a slightly different personnel that's not as well suited to play that style of hockey. Mm -hmm. But when you think about the teams that are consistently good for long periods of time, it's more about getting what, the most out of the players they have as opposed to the style of the system they're playing. Because for yep. the most part, most teams in the NHL are running the same ideas and concepts. There are a few outliers right. where there are certain teams that do things a little bit differently than everybody else. But for the most part, everybody's playing a similar style, both offensive, defense, and in the neutral zone. And it's a matter of having the players that are going to be able to get the most out of what you're asking them. Exactly. As, opposed to, as opposed to doing kind of what a lot of these teams that are in the middle of the pack are doing right now, where they're trying to shoehorn players into the way the coach wants to play, or the coach is shoehorning the roster together in a way that the GM has assembled it. It's very complicated and nuanced because hockey is so free-flowing and there's so little structure compared to some of the other sports in a way that it's really hard to compare hockey in execution to everything. I mean, yeah, basketball has the same number of people and has similar flow and movement mm -hmm. of rotations around the goal, of rotations around the basket, but the movement is so different. The things you need to do to set up a player are so different. It's really complicated, and it's why hockey is so really unpredictable for the most part and it leans into that idea of why is that so dramatic well nobody really knows what's going to happen that that right. no matter what and like yes there are people who are in the nhl who are decision makers who are gms who are team presidents whatever they can't tell you what's going to happen they assemble a roster based on what they think could right. happen exactly and you know i think about how when the Flames signed Kadri, I was like, oh, this like this is a Daryl Sutter like dream right here. And it it's it's taken him a little bit to get, you know, acclimated. I don't think it's taken him as long as some of the other newbies, but you know, he is doing a great job. And then I also think back to last year when uh, Sutter really wanted to make Gaudreau a 200 foot player. And at 27, 28 years old, you kind of think like, okay, well, you can't teach old dog new tricks. Like, saying 27 is old is disgusting, but it's fine. Like, and he was able to get the most out of him. And I think there are certain coaches and that can do that because it's also on the players to, number one, want to do that. And to also have the ability. It's not a video game where you can just like, press x to import superpower defensive forward selkie trophy winner you know like there's absolutely like it, it's not a video game and i think some people online just act like and i i get like this because i'm like oh like I, I would move these lines but it, it just doesn't work like that hockey's a fuel sport it is really dependent on how you're feeling, how the players you're around you are play feeling. I mean, mm -hmm. we saw the Flames mired in a really bad sl shooting slump there for more than, I would say, almost three weeks where yeah. not, no matter what, they were playing really well, but they just couldn't get the puck to go in the net. And the longer that goes on, the more stressed out you get, the more difficult it is to get out of that funk. When you're in a spiral, yeah. it's really hard to get out of it. it uh, feel and emotion are parts of hockey, and they're very difficult to explain and to quantify 
apply it, which is why you kind of would just rather have the most talent you possibly can and say, as assuming the most talent you have, if you have a really talented team, you're going to be able to get better results. The better yeah. results you'll have, your team will be stronger emotionally and they'll be able to withstand more difficult challenges. Whereas this year, the Flames have just been very up and down. They haven't been able to get into any kind of rhythm. They've, they're just an okay average team right now. And that's okay. Like, yes. there's 32 teams in the league, and it's not split into 16 really, really good teams and 16 horrific teams. There's that middle of the road. And like I said earlier this week, if you've listened, it's okay to be middle of the road. It's okay to just coast your way through a season. You don't have to go out there and be you know, I keep talking about the Bruins, but like the Bruins or the Devils who go on these ridiculous streaks and it's okay. It is okay to just be average. <laughs> you you don't have to be anything more than that right now. The re- And I, I get it. I understand why some people are kind of frustrated, stressed mm-hmm. out about this because coming into the season, most people, me included, thought the Flames would be one of the better teams in the West because the West looks very much like a mess. It still is very much a mess. Aside from, aside from Vegas, nobody has been particularly good for extended periods of time. Winnipeg has been okay. Other than that, I mean, Seattle's hanging around better than I thought they would. Oh, 100%. The, the Oilers... The Oilers are very unimpressive. They're very reliant on somebody who's never played this much goalie in their life before in Stuart Skinner. Mm -hmm. They're not particularly impressive. The Wilds have been very clunky. Their goaltending is kind of a mess. They're just like the Flames. I I understand why people kind of thought that this might be the year for the Flames to make that leap, get to a conference final, win a cup, especially Mm -hmm. a little bit of an older core. You've got a coach who's on the older side of things. So, like, a lot of people thought, like, this is kind of the window here. They're going to have a one or two year shot at this, and then they're going to have to reassess because Daryl probably won't stick around more than another two seasons after this. So it's complicated, and I understand being frustrated. But you also got to be realistic here. Uh, The the expectations have kind of changed because the results haven't been there. You're not going to be a president's trophy team this year. Your goal is to get into the playoffs. Hope you get Markstrom on a hot streak. Once you get into the playoffs and see what happens once you get there, you got to keep rattling them off though. You got to be trying to win two out of every three as often as you can, especially against some of these bad teams, which we know the flames are going to have opportunities against because they've got a pretty soft schedule. The second half of the season going forward, they're going to have opportunities here, but when you're an average team, it's really difficult to play consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Flames fans know that. I think yeah. that they've they've lived it, and it's time to just go back to it after one fantastic year. But coming up next to wrap up the show, uh, I figured we could do some maybe some Canucks talk since they are coming to town and they have their own little drama going on, their own little soap opera with JT Miller. What? What is Vancouver? Are they a fever dream? Are they real? The Canucks are what happens when you have to thinking about the organization. Um, Mm -hmm. For quite a while now, they have managed every single 
lost away. They're just trying to keep their job for one more season. And that's why you have things like the ridiculous Tyler Myers contract. It's why you re-sign JT Miller. It's why you're not going to keep Brock Besser, uh, not Brock Besser, excuse me, Bo Horvat. That, that roster has been assembled very haphazardly to get as much talent onto it as, mu- as quickly as possible without mm-hmm. much regard for how expensive it is. That's how you end up with Ekman Larson and Connor Garland. Not really worrying about the consequences of your actions, just trying to make, have enough talent on your roster to justify staying in your job for one more season. Yeah. That's really how they, they've been managed for quite a while now. Yeah, they had the one really good run in the bubble where they got to the second round and Demko played really well. Other than that, the Canucks don't have much to show for it for the last 10 years. They had that one extended playoff run. They retired the Sedin Twins numbers. They're going to make the Hall of Fame. Luongo got into the Hall of Fame. They don't have much in terms of tangible results to show for it. And they have decent players on that team. Like, Demko was not good before he got hurt, but Demko has shown the ability to be good before. Quinn Hughes is a solid first-pair NHL defenseman, and Elias Pettersson is probably one of the 30 best players in the entire league. So you got your building blocks. You've got an elite first-line center, you've got a first-pair defenseman, and you've got a goalie you think can start 55 games a year at an above-average level. The problem is, A, they haven't really put a lot of effort into the personality management and the locker room, as you can tell, because the Rangers dumped JT Miller because they didn't like his attitude. The Lightning traded JT Miller because they didn't like his attitude. The Canucks said, you're very good. We will suck up you being kind of unpleasant to be around because you're very good at hockey. That is not working, obviously. I, I know people saw the clip from the other night of him yelling at the goalie to leave the net to, so they could have the six on five at the end of the game trying to chase. They're a, they're a mess. There's no other way to describe it. A team with that much talent playing as poorly as they're playing speaks to locker room issues. It speaks to confidence issues. Mm-hmm. It speaks to all of the stuff that, you know, you're supposed to worry about only if you're not performing. You can tolerate people being unpleasant to be around if the team is winning. You'll suck it up and deal with it. But when the team is mediocre or worse, you have guys who are outwardly being difficult to play with. That's really that's a difficult situation for everybody involved. Yeah, and you know, you you would think that someone, again, this is just armchair GMing here because I am not qualified, but you would think at some point they would say, we have to tear it down. And they, every time they're asked about a rebuild, they say no. So they missed a golden opportunity. Last year, they could have gotten a first-round pick for JT Miller. They could yeah. have gotten a first-round pick for Bo Horvat. They can probably get a second and maybe like a fourth for Brock Besser. They're going to try and salary dump OEL. They might have to attach something with it to get rid of him, but he also has a no-move where he only want, he's he can only be traded to, I think it's 10 teams, so he can kind of pick his landing spot, which is going to reduce what you can get in return for him. But you can get a decent start on your rebuild really quickly here. They missed a really good opportunity because the Islanders want a, wanted a top six forward. They were ready to give the pick. They gave the Canadians for Romanoff to the Canucks for JT Miller. The Canucks instead gave Miller that extension because they gave Miller that extension. They're not going to be able to afford to keep Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat is going to get them probably a first round pick and then either a prospect or a third, something like that at the deadline this year. He's having a career year. He's the captain of that team. You need somebody like that on your team, on a winning team. The Canucks are just kind of 
that's what happens when you get people who are a little too caught up in just trying to stay on the job a little bit longer. I mean, you think about how long Jim Benning was there running that team and the decisions he made. And just like trading for Connor Garland and OEL just because they needed more defense. It's great that you went out and got guys, but Oliver ekman hasn't been good in quite a while. And Connor Garland is decent, but he's a little expensive. And when you're yeah. up against the cap, like the Canucks are... Every little bit of salary cap space helps, and it's been a real issue for them over the years is they're always right up against the cap because they're constantly overpaying for things that aren't tangible. They're paying for previous experience as opposed to what somebody's going to do going forward. That sounds familiar. But, you know, I think... I, I still think the OEL trade is astonishing. Yeah. That- I... Tyler Myers' contract is awful. Just so many short-sighted decisions just for the immediate moment as opposed to the long-term health of the team. And that, my friends, is how you don't manage not just a hockey team, but your life. We're here to give you fantastic advice here on Lockdown Flames. Think about the future, not just the now. Lockdown Flames, everyone. But, um... What's your score prediction? Uh, I think the Flames will win. Yeah. Uh, Score-wise, no idea. Because we've seen the Flames score a lot of goals. Okay, four to two. I could see that. I could see that. I think the Flames will win. Yeah, oh, yeah. Vancouver stinks. Vancouver stinks. But they also just lost Vancouver. This is true. This is very true. (laughs) Don't go in and underestimate your opponent. Correct, correct. Fight for your life like it's a game seven. In December, yeah. Yeah. Do you really want to lose to Vancouver? Yeah. I'm going to shoot them into winning. Yeah, you got to go into the new year on a high note. Come on. Exactly. Please. Please. You never end practice on a miss. Yes, please. I beg. Uh, All right. So, I think that does it. Okay. Thank you, Kat. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Lockdown Flames, especially uh, this year. You know, it's been a wild ride. I do have a Flames year in review going up tomorrow. Uh, I guess tonight at midnight. Oh, hello. Want to say hi? Okay, thank you. Um, And I have a crossover with J.D. uh, Hernandez from Locked on Ducks. Just another fun, relaxing episode coming up as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and uh, the pod at LO underscore Flames Pod. And Nick, plug away. Uh, you can find me at Nick Zaris, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. I never log off. I never stop tweeting. Uh, you'll see me on the timeline, unfortunately. Everywhere. Every day. <laughs> and that's why you're a host. <laughs> correct. Correct. All right, everyone. Thank you. Be safe. Yeah, be safe this weekend, please, people. Yeah. Like like this PSA said, drive sober or get pulled over. Okay? Listen to them. Yeah. <laughs>